welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 176, A God of Order. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. This week's Come Follow Me assignment is Matthew chapter 19 through 20, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. I've been slacking off a little bit and I haven't been posting you the readings for those chapters, so I will do that. Sometime tomorrow that will show up, and if you want to listen to me read all of those chapters, then click on that episode that will come right after this one. All right, today I am really excited what I'm going to talk about. We are going to talk about marriage. And in our world today, marriage can be kind of a contentious topic, a topic where lots of people are divided in their opinions about. But so thankfully, we have modern prophets and apostles that help clarify what the Lord thinks about it, because ultimately what we think about it, what our mortal minds can conjure and reason doesn't matter. All that matters is the Lord's perspective because he ultimately has the absolute, infinitely best, much better than ours, understanding of why we're here and what our purpose is. And marriage is a huge part of that. In Matthew chapter 19, yet again, we have the Pharisees trying to trip up the Savior so that they would have cause to arrest him. It says in chapter 19, starting in verse 3, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that which he made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So the Come Follow Me manual poses a question for us to reflect on as we read these verses. It says, how does your knowledge of the Father's plan of salvation affect the way you think and feel about marriage? Our God is a God of order. Have you ever watched a nature documentary and just felt amazed at how incredibly perfect the world is orchestrated? Atoms traveling at incredible speeds in the sun's core collide creating nuclear fusion, which then emits light and provides our planet with the energy that makes life possible. And our planet orbits that source of life and energy in perfect motion. I found this website called caseforthefamily.com, and it says on there, One of the most striking discoveries of modern science has been that the laws and constants of physics unexpectedly conspire in an extraordinary way to make the universe habitual for life. For instance, says physicist-philosopher Robin Collins, gravity is fine-tuned to one part in a hundred million billion 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 billion. The cosmological constant, which represents the energy density of space, is as precise as throwing a dart from space and hitting a bullseye, just a trillionth of a trillionth of an inch in diameter on the Earth. One expert said that there are more than 30 physical or cosmological parameters that require precise calibration in order to produce a universe that can sustain life. Similar to the fine-tuning of physics, Earth's position in the universe and its intricately choreographed geological and chemical processes work together with exquisite efficiency to create a safe space for humans to live. For example, astronomer Guillermo, I don't know how to say that, Gonzalez and science philosopher J. Wesley Richards said it would take a star with the highly unusual properties of our sun the right mass, the right light, the right age, the right distance, the right orbit, the right galaxy, the right location, to nurture living organisms on a circling planet. Numerous factors make our solar system and our location in the universe just right for habitual environment. 
If the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, we could never have come into existence, said Harvard-educated astrophysicist John A. O'Keefe of NASA. It is my view that these circumstances indicate the universe was created for man to live in. I always love thinking about how clear it is that there is a creator just because we are able to exist here on the earth. How improbable that existence is without a creator. But that's just talking about the existence of our life-supporting planet. On that planet, we have a rich, diverse animal population, each playing its own role of prey versus predator to keep it all balanced. There are a million examples I could give of our world working together in impossibly perfect patterns. But best of all, I'm going to skip to the best, is the process of procreation for all living things. Each of us grew from that process of a sperm making its way to an egg. And from that human body grows with its own complex coded DNA. And into that body created by an earthly father and mother comes a spirit that was created by heavenly father and heavenly mother. One of my favorite scriptures is Alma testifying of the creator and that it must be true that there is one. It says in Alma 30 verse 44, the scriptures are laid before thee, yea, and all things denote there is a God, yea, even the earth and all things that are upon the face of it, yea, and its motion, yea, and also all the planets which move in their regular form do witness that there is a supreme creator. The earth, our solar system, our universe testifies that there is a creator. But aside from creating all things physically on the earth, he first created them spiritually. Moses chapter 3 verse 5, the Lord created all things spiritually before he created them physically. Abraham chapter 5 verse 5, the Lord made every plant before it was in the earth. Doctrine and Covenants chapter 29 verses 31 through 32, by the power of my spirit created I all things, first spiritually, second temporal. Doctrine and Covenants, section 77, verse 2, that which is temporal is in the likeness of that which is spiritual. Moses chapter 6, verse 51, I made the world and men before they were in the flesh. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now, as God is a God of order, our spirits didn't magically just poof, become what they are. It says in all of those scriptures that our spirits, the spirits of all living things, were first created. And created, creation, implies a process of some kind, just as the creation of physical bodies involves a process. We don't know much about that process, but what we do know is that we have a Heavenly Mother, with whom Heavenly Father creates spirits. On the church website, it says this about our Mother in Heaven. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints teaches that all human beings, male and female, are beloved spirit children of heavenly parents, a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. This understanding is rooted in spiritual and prophetic teachings about the nature of God, our relationship to deity, and the godly potential of men and women. The doctrine of a heavenly mother is a cherished and distinctive belief among Latter-day Saints. Prophets have taught that our heavenly parents work together for the salvation of the human family. 
We are a part of a divine plan designed by heavenly parents who love us, taught Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. President Harold B. Lee stated, We forget that we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother who are even more concerned, probably, than our earthly father and mother. And that influences from beyond are constantly working to try to help us when we do all we can. End quote. So we have been taught that Heavenly Father is an exalted man. We are also taught that someday we will also become exalted men and women if we live up to our covenants. And as exalted men and women join together in the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, we will be given the opportunity to create our own spiritual posterity. Okay, at this point, you're probably wondering how this all relates to what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He says, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? The Savior is laying out the pattern required for marriage, male and female. He's laying out the pattern required for exaltation. This pattern is repeated in Scripture many times. In fact, the very first thing about mankind said in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. This is a divine pattern, not only spelled out in Scripture, but a pattern that God Himself follows as He creates spiritual children with our Mother in Heaven. This pattern and command is clarified and reiterated in the Family Proclamation. We, the First Presidency, and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. All human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. Each is a beloved spirit son or daughter of heavenly parents. And, as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. Gender is an essential characteristic of individual pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. In the pre-mortal realm, spirit sons and daughters knew and worshipped God as their eternal father and accepted his plan by which his children could obtain a physical body and gain earthly experience to progress toward perfection and ultimately realize their divine destiny as heirs of eternal life. Now remember, really quick, what does eternal life mean? It means to live the same quality of life as our Father in heaven, and his work And his glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, of his spirit children. Therefore, in order for us to have eternal life, to qualify for that, we need to be creating spirits, sons, and daughters, eternal increase. Continuing, the divine plan of happiness enables family relationships to be perpetuated beyond the grave. Sacred ordinances and covenants available in holy temples make it possible for individuals to return to the presence of God and for families to be united eternally. The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve pertained to their potential for parenthood as husband and wife. Isn't that impactful? The very first commandment given to mankind pertains to their potential for parenthood. And what is Heavenly Father's title? First and foremost, He is a Father. We were sent here to become mothers and fathers. We will live into eternal life with the purpose of becoming fathers and mothers. 
Continuing, we declare that God's commandment for His children to multiply and replenish the earth remains in force. We further declare that God has commanded that the sacred powers of procreation are to be employed only between man and woman, lawfully wedded as husband and wife. God, like I said, God is a God of order, a God who uses science as His toolbox. He is very clear that He has created male and female as co-creators with Him after the pattern that he has set forth, and that eventually we together can only become like him as we are joined in that same pattern. Now, I don't know what the process of creating spirits is, but I do know that just as there is a physical process for creating bodies, there must surely also be a spiritual process for creating spirits, a spiritual process that requires male and female. Eternal life is so much more than what we see now. Here on earth in mortality, we tend to focus on the romance of the situation, how whatever relationship we are in creates temporal happiness for us, or we allow ourselves to make decisions based on the natural man, which we all, as part of our earthly journey, need to learn to override. Now, as I say all this, obviously this is a sensitive topic for many, and I stand by all of those things that I say, but also acknowledge that sometimes things feel unfair on the earth, and I don't understand them all. But I do know that Heavenly Father loves each and every one of us, and that for each and every one of us, it is possible for us to attain eternal life. And that might get tricky for some here on the earth, figuring out how that's going to look for them. And I don't pretend to understand that. But I do understand that God is a God of order, and this is his doctrine. So let's go back to our Come Follow Me question. How does your knowledge of the Father's plan of salvation affect the way you think and feel about marriage? I love that they're linking together the plan of salvation and marriage. The plan of salvation reminds me that marriage is not just for my own personal agenda or pleasure or earthly happiness. The plan of salvation reminds me that marriage has a far greater purpose than is often attributed here on earth. Marriage between man and woman is an essential doctrine that is required in order to become like our Father in heaven, creating endless posterity, creating our own worlds, creating our own spiritual children. We must be and can only be exalted with a member of the opposite sex, just as our Father in heaven is, because gender is an essential characteristic of individual, pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. The Savior said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. And do you think he meant for man and wife to become one flesh for no purpose? No. For this cause, because he made us male and female not without purpose, because it is an essential characteristic of your individual, pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.